Hello, ladies and gentlemen. How are you doing? My name is Apostle Joseph Helen, and I'm coming to you live from Nairobi, Kenya. It's going to be a special one today because I'm coming to you live on Facebook, YouTube, and also on podcast. So we're doing a broadcast and a podcast. So to my podcast audience, it's going to be a bit different now. I'll be combining the broadcast together with the podcast. The topic for this broadcast is how to prophesy by use of plant codes. How to prophesy by use of plant codes. Now, this is a new season on my podcast and a new teaching on prophecy. How to prophesy by use of plant codes. So, the Garden of Eden had three types of trees. One type was pleasant to see and good for food. Three types of trees. Another one was in the middle of the garden and it was called the tree of knowledge. And another one was the tree of life. So let me explain that again. Three types of trees in the Garden of Eden. One is for food, for aesthetics and for food. It was good to look at and it was for nutrition, for food. And the second one that was in the middle of the garden was the tree of life. It gave life. And then the third one was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, Genesis 2 verse 9 says, And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So Genesis 2 verse 9 proves to us that there were three types of trees in that garden. So the trees were meant for pleasure, food, knowledge, and life. Four things. The trees were meant for pleasure, they were meant for food, they were meant for knowledge, and they were meant for life. Okay. Why pleasure? This is because the word Eden in Hebrew, which is what we call Eden in English, stands for pleasure. The Bible says, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy, and at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. At his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So that's why he starts with Eden, pleasure. And then food, that's nutrition. And then knowledge, and then life, okay? Or you can put them differently, life, then knowledge, okay? Now, there's a very significant thing that you need to know as a child of God, that God values life much more than he values knowledge. Because the trouble with knowledge, uh, please hear me here out, Hear me out. The trouble with knowledge is that one ends up going into the realms they're not permitted to go into. And the law is one such thing that tends to make people curious about what they shouldn't do. For example, if you're told, don't step on the grass. Instantly, your instinct is to step on the grass. It's as if the law causes your rebellious nature to come to play. And that's why the tree of knowledge of good and evil was the tree Adam and Eve were not allowed to eat. Now you may ask, why did God put it in the garden then? I want you to understand something, ladies and gentlemen, that God is not a dictator. God is not a control freak. He is the epitome of everything loving and good and kind, everything you'd ever want to have. So, because Lucifer 
had fallen before Adam and Eve were made. In fact, at this particular time, Eve had not even been created. Lucifer fell, so he was on the face of the earth, in the realm that we call the second heavens. Having fallen, Lucifer was present but invisible. So what happens? God creates the Garden of Eden and he appoints a new leader to deal with Lucifer and to destroy Lucifer and to get him out of the face of the earth completely. God gives this new creature absolute dominion over everything created, all angels, everything created. But for this new being called Adam to take complete charge, God had to tell him what's going on on the face of the earth. So God tells him, here is pleasure. In my presence, there's fullness of joy. At my right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And then God tells him as well that there's also food for you because you have a physical body and the physical body can only operate by nutrition, by food, physical food. And then God also tells him, but there's also life here, life everlasting. So if you eat this fruit, you'll get nutrition for your physical body. If you eat this one in the middle of the garden, the one for life, then you have life everlasting. You will live forever. But there is a devil, the source of death and everything evil, the source of rottenness, you know, decay and anything that is contrary to life. So I'm going to put a fruit here to represent him so that you get to know that he's there. Look, God operates by codes. So he's speaking to Adam and Eve. In this particular case, Eve is not yet created, but Eve is inside Adam. So he's talking to them by use of codes. I've been teaching you on sound codes. So God is using codes. So he uses a tree to represent the devil. Just like he uses a tree to represent a righteous person. In Psalm chapter 1, the Bible says, Blessed the man that walks not. Uh, in the way of the ungodly, no stance in the way of sinners, no sitting in the seat of the scornful, I paraphrase. But in the law of the Lord, as he meditate day and night, the Bible says, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. So the righteous man is also represented by a tree. The wicked one is also represented by a tree. The Bible says they're, they're like the chaff that the wind blows. You see, what, what's chaff? It's the dry leaves of something. That is blown away by the wind. That this one is not planted by the rivers of water. They dry up. So a tree represents personality. So God is explaining to Adam, who at this particular time had just been created. And God was teaching him about spiritual principles. And that's why in the book of Genesis 3 verse 8, God comes to Adam in the cool of the day to teach him about his ways. It was God's nature to come to train Adam in his ways and to give him instructions about how to rule the universe, to rule everything God ever created. But as he did that, God tells him there's a guy here who tried to uh, cause insurrection in heaven. I have relegated him to the side of the pit. He is now there waiting, but he's subtle and is a schema and he comes as a fruit. He will show up as somebody sweet, somebody nice, somebody producing good things. Beware of him. So I'm giving you this tree to represent him. The interesting thing is that God was telling Adam all these things before Eve was formed. So it was Adam's responsibility after Eve was formed to teach her the details about these things. Evidently, he only did a bit of it. I hope you've understood that now. 
So man's purpose in the garden, God gave him work to do in the garden. His purpose was to dress the garden by nurturing it and to guard the garden against intrusion and destruction. The Bible says it clearly. He was to nurture, take care of the garden. He was to be a husbandman, like a farmer, taking care of the garden. He was given that responsibility. And whenever God gives you a responsibility, he also gives you the power, the wherewithal, what he takes to fulfill that responsibility. Okay? Whenever God gives you a responsibility, he also gives you power to fulfill that responsibility. I can see a lot of people joining me on Facebook and on YouTube. Today, I'm doing both Facebook, YouTube, and podcast. So I'm combining the podcast with the broadcast. So those of you who are used to listening to me on podcast, you don't hear me mentioning names of people. But here I am with my family, people all over the world who watch our broadcast, but they'll also be listening to the podcast at the same time. I'm recording the two at the same time. So let me just... uh, Acknowledge Mike, God bless you, love you so much. Evelyn, God bless you, love you so much. Neno, God bless you so much. My precious wife says, love you so much, my darling. God values life more than he values knowledge. Yeah, God bless you, love you so very much, my precious wife. I can see Rira uh, is online too, and Kennedy. Love you guys. Glory to Jesus forevermore. Every single one of you tuning in right now, or those who are going to join us on podcast later, I love you so very much. Most welcome indeed. So, man's purpose in the Garden of Eden was to dress the garden by nurturing it and to guard the garden against intrusion and destruction. In short, he was to guard the garden against Satan himself. You get that? So, stewardship of what God gives is the sole duty of the recipient. When God gives you life, he gives you absolute authority to take care of that life. The stewardship of that life, the economy of that life is in your hands. He will give you the words. He'll give you what it takes, the power, the anointing, the wisdom. But it's up to you to live your life. That's what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat the fruits thereof. It is your tongue that brings you life or death, what you say. So the stewardship of your life is dependent entirely on you. So God gives the Garden of Eden to Adam and gives him absolute stewardship and responsibility over it. And the Bible says he was given the garden to nurture and also to guard. That means the devil was going to show up in that garden. And God says, guard this place. You have authority over intrusion. You have what it takes to, to take charge of this whole place. Now, I'm teaching about prophesying by use of plants. And I'm going to show you how God uses plants to communicate. He's telling Adam, this tree of knowledge of good and evil represents the devil under the law. But he's using a plant to communicate that. Do you see? So God uses the natural things to communicate spiritual principles and spiritual verities and spiritual truth. Oh, glory to Jesus. Now, in Genesis 2 verse 15, the Bible says, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it. And to keep it, the word keep there is to guard the way a sentry or soldier would guard the gates of a palace. There was a gate to this garden. If you remember later when they had sinned and were being chased away, cherubim were brought at the gate to guard it against Adam and Eve. Because if they returned and ate the fruit of life, the tree of life, they would have lived forever 
under the dominion of Satan. That's exactly what Satan wanted. To introduce his seed into the world. I talked about this yesterday. So as to completely corrupt God's things. Okay, but God is much wiser. So God then told man to eat of all trees except the one of knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because that tree represented Satan himself. I told you that righteous people are represented by trees. So you can use a plant to prophesy. If you see a tree, then you know you're seeing a person. See, that's why the Bible says in Psalm 92, the Bible says that the righteous are like a palm tree. They grow without end. They're like a palm tree. So every time you see a palm tree, you are seeing a righteous person. God is prophetically communicating to using that plant that there is a righteous person. The one who grows without end. So if you're prophesying to somebody and you see an image of a palm tree, maybe on their dress or on the wall or in the spiritual realm, in a vision or in a dream, if you see a palm tree, tell that person you're not dying. You have longevity and you're the righteousness of God. You see, that's what a palm tree stands for. It stands for the righteous. The Bible says they grow without end. A palm tree also stands for prosperity and success. That those who are planted in the house of the Lord will grow without end. They're like palm trees. They're like trees planted by the rivers of water. They bear their fruit in due season. Their leaves also do not wither. And everything they do prosper. So a tree also stands for prosperity. So God is using a tree as a prophetic symbol, a plant as a prophetic symbol to communicate to Adam that there's a spirit and that spirit will want to beguile you. He'll want to lie to you. Guard the garden against the spirit. Okay. Now, glory to Jesus. So now we know that the tree of knowledge of good and evil represented the devil. Why the devil? Because knowing good is not good before God. And knowing evil also isn't good before God. What God wants you to know is life. That's why there's a tree of life and a tree of knowledge. God wants you to enjoy life. Okay? Knowing what's good, doing what's good doesn't please God. Doing what's evil doesn't please God. Those two are called the law. They always lead to death. The law was introduced so that Jesus could die to save humanity. After he dies, the law is not important anymore. That's why the Bible says in Colossians 2 and verse 14 that Jesus took the handwriting of the law that was contrary to us out of the way by his cross. The handwriting of the law was the law. He nailed it to his cross. And then verse 15 of Colossians 2, then he made a public display of the devil, triumphing over him in it. He destroyed the devil completely. So the law was intended to cause Jesus to die for humanity. After he dies, the law is not important anymore. That's why the book of Romans chapter 8 says, There's therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And verse 2 says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set them free from the law of sin and death. So there's the law of life, the spirit of life. Then there's the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is the one that caused Jesus to die on our behalf so that he appeased God. He was the propitiation for our sins, the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. So this time around, God is not angry with humanity. He doesn't have a problem with any, any human being. He doesn't have a problem with any of his creations. But the stewardship of the godly life is given to us. So we have to do something about it. We have to read the word of God as life, not just as knowledge. Why? Because the Bible says knowledge puffs up. But the Spirit gives life. Knowing alone makes you proud. 
If you know, you end up with the letter. And the Bible says the letter of the law kills. God doesn't want you dead anymore. He wants you to live life. That's why in the garden, there was the tree of life in the middle of the garden. And the tree of knowledge of good and evil too. So there is the spirit of life in the tree of life. And then there is the law in the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So Lucifer, knowing he has no power whatsoever to mess with Adam, goes and uses prophetic codes as well to speak to him. He says, I want you to identify with this tree of knowledge of good and evil rather than identifying with the tree planted by the rivers of water that bears its fruit in its season, the one that stands for righteousness. So Adam, not teaching his wife properly, he didn't teach the wife properly, I'm going to prove it to you, ends up identifying with that tree. And from that time onwards, the devil took charge of the entire universe by codes, by using plants. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Now, to die, there must be a distinction between what's good and what's evil. Both good and evil are needed for death to be activated. Both good and evil. You see, you need to have gone against good for you to die. And you need to have done evil for you to die. Okay. Now, if you do good and you're not doing evil, you will still die anyway. Because the Bible says Jesus never sinned. There was no sin found in him, yet he still died. Are you seeing? So good and evil will still kill you equally. You've got to understand God's mind. All right? So both good and evil are needed for death to be activated. So Satan was already separated from God. That means he was already as good as dead. Because death is a separation of spirits. So he was the carrier of death, and since he was cast down to the realm of the earth, God had to teach Adam about his existence by using plant codes. Hmm. Genesis 2, verse 16 to 17, the Bible says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it, for in the day that you eat thereof you shall surely die. In other words, if you eat, you see, eating here is a prophetic code as well. That's why Jesus called himself the bread of life. That if anybody eats my flesh, codes, he's just using codes. He shall live forever. If you eat my flesh and drink my blood, he's using codes now. And that's why we decode by using bread and wine when we're worshipping to show the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. They're all codes and they open something. The Bible says, whoever eats my body and drinks my blood will live forever. They have eternal life within them. So here, God is using codes and Satan is using codes too. Why is Satan using codes? Because the spirit, all spirits use codes to communicate. Signs and symbols. So Lucifer says, eat so that you eat my flesh and drink my blood so that you and I become one. That was what Satan wanted. Union, communion with man so that he could control man. The one whose bread you eat is the one that leads you. So we eat the bread of which is the body of Jesus. He's our savior, he's our Lord. The lordship of a person is established over you if you partake of their flesh and blood. And this is what the devil wanted Adam and Eve to do, to enjoy a tree that brings knowledge of good and evil, the tree of the law, the tree of death. All right. So Satan entered into the serpent and made him his spokesperson. The serpent became Satan's spokesperson. Why? Satan was a spirit, so he was not permitted to engage flesh and blood directly. 
So he needed a very intelligent being. Serpent, serpent in the Bible really means divination. A person who has divine knowledge, a being, a creature that has nahash, that's the Hebrew, nahash, and it means uh, to have divine knowledge, where you can either become a soothsayer, a witch doctor, a sorcerer, or a prophet. But the word serpent means a person who's, who's got divine ability for knowledge and wisdom. And this serpent was more knowledgeable than all other creatures. So the devil went for the cleverest and overwhelmed the cleverest and entered the cleverest. Now, ladies and gentlemen, understand one powerful thing here. It is Adam that named these animals. If you name something, you have complete control over that thing. For example, you name your you name something a car, automobile, you can drive it, you can control it because you know its name. Because the name is what contains the codes of its functions. The meaning of a name is what contains the codes of the functions of that particular thing. Like a mobile phone. The name tells you, oh, phone, sound, mobile, you can walk around with it. Do you see? So it decodes the hidden meaning of what you've got. If you're given a gadget and nobody tells you what it's called and, and it's used, even if that gadget was the most important gadget on the face of the earth, it would be of no use to you, it would be of no benefit to you. Okay? So you've got to appreciate, you've got to appreciate the, the fact that Adam was given authority to name everything. He named the serpent. And the Bible says he needed to take complete dominion over all things that were created. Evidently, he was not aware that the serpent was in the garden and the devil had entered the serpent. He was told, guard this place. Nurture and guard this place and take charge of everything created. So failure number one in Adam's life was letting the serpent loose. And the serpent was now accessible to the devil. And the devil, being a spirit, remember, spirits are not allowed to be on the face of the earth. That's why even demons need human bodies for them to fulfill their evil functions. The Holy Spirit himself is banned from the face of the earth unless he has a body to enter into. That's why God could not save humanity without getting a body called Jesus. He had to get a body. The Bible says, a body you have preserved for me. Yeah, That sacrifices and offerings you are not pleased with, but a body you preserve for me. So God could only enter into the human body to, re to rescue humanity. That's why we have been given the responsibility of preaching the gospel because we are bodies. Your body is your license of operation as a spirit. The moment your body is no longer functional on earth, your spirit leaves it. Your spirit rejects it. That's what we call death. So the devil needed a body of an intelligent being that could communicate divine information to these divine beings called Adam and Eve. And he found the serpent and made the serpent his spokesperson. And the serpent began to talk. Yeah. So Satan couldn't get man to sin except through a plant. Look at that. <laughs> except through a plant. He used the code of food from a tree to gain access into the heart of the man. The serpent uses the prophetic code of questioning so as to gain access. Now, in the prophetic realm, there is something Jesus used to do. He used to say, uh, how long has this person been sick? As if he didn't know. He knew. But in the prophetic realm, for you to gain access into somebody's heart, it's a code. Ask them questions like, what's your name? The moment they say, my name is Johnson, you have access to their heart because the Bible says, out 
of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the moment the mouth speaks, I have access to the abundance of that person's heart. So I can read what's in their heart. The Bible says, the spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord that searches the innermost parts of the belly. So your spirit is God's candle. Your spirit is like the search engine of the website of your your body. So your spirit is a search engine. So if I need information, I'll just Google in your spirit there. But for me to access your spirit, I need to ask you questions. So Lucifer, knowing very well how to get information from somebody's heart, started the prophetic code called questioning or interviewing, asking questions. Jesus did this with a Samaritan woman. Jesus knew the truth about her, but to get her heart to open up, Jesus said, where is your husband? Go and bring your husband. The woman said, I don't have a husband. This is the book of John chapter 4. And Jesus said, you've spoken well. Because even the one you have right now is not yours. You've had five of them and the sixth one is not yours. And the woman said, I perceive you're a prophet. You see, prophets operate by asking questions, engaging somebody in a conversation that causes the contents of their hearts to come out and you'll be able to help them because the heart of a man is the candle of the Lord. The Bible says no one knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man. And the things of God no one knows except the spirit of God. To engage a person's spirit, I need to start by asking them questions. Hello, how are you? And if I shake your hand, I get even more information. It's called prophecy by proximity or prophecy by touch. All right, let me carry on. I can see my wonderful people are, are online. Eduardo is on and God bless you. He says, nice, always a blessing and informative transformation is here. God bless you so very much. We are doing a broadcast and a podcast at the same time today. Megan Elias, my Wonderful friend, God bless you. Love you so much. My sister Nelly David, love you so much. Franz Weber, love you so much. He says, good evening, Apostle. I love you guys. You're wonderful. You're my family. Glory to Jesus. We are talking about prophesying by use of a plant and how Adam and Eve were communicated to God by use of plants. And the devil uses the very same plant to communicate. So it's so important for you to pay attention here. So, in the book of Genesis 3 verse 1, the Bible says, Now the serpent, Nahash, that means the one who knows how to divine, the cleverest of them all, the most, prof- the most prophetic of them all, was more subtle, was more crafty, was more knowledgeable, was more wily than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yeah, has God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now the worst mistake Eve makes is she answers him. Do you remember in the Bible, there are many examples of prophets told, go and do your prophetic work, but don't talk to anybody on your way. And when you're done, don't talk to anyone because the contents of their hearts were not supposed to be exposed to the wrong audience. There was a young prophet who prophesied against certain altars and an old prophet saw him prophesying and asked him a question and he answered. And that was the end of him. God had told him, don't talk to anybody. Don't talk to anyone. Do your work and just walk away. He answered. The old prophet said, come and eat. And he said, no, God told me I shouldn't eat. The moment you answer a prophetic person, your heart is exposed. And this old prophet convinced him and said, look, God also spoke to me. I'm a prophet too. And he spoke to me and said, you've done such a great job. You ought to be rewarded with a good meal. Okay. And something to drink. And this guy was beguiled just like Eve. 
So you need to be careful who you answer. When people go into court, they are told you have all the rights to remain silent because anything you say now can be used against you. It's the content of your heart. Are you getting that? So there's a moment of silence that is so significant when you don't want the contents of your heart to be known by the wrong spirit or the wrong person. Jennifer Elizabeth, God bless you, my dear. I love you so very much. Happy to see you. Glory to Jesus. I'm ministering to people from different nations of the world. And I want you to understand how the devil functions. He uses codes. And in this particular one, we're using trees as codes. Why do you think doctors use barks of trees and leaves of trees and roots of trees to create medication? Because the spirit of life is found in those trees. The spirit of life is found in those trees. Yet there are trees that are poisonous. They have the spirit of death in them. So you see, there are three types of trees. That tree that looks nice and has beautiful fruits that you can eat. Then the tree that contains life that can cure you. Then there's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It kills you. It's poisonous. Just those four. Okay? Actually, there are three. All right? So doctors are trained by God prophetically to know the tree of life. When they take the tree of life, they extract the life properties and they turn them into capsules or tablets or or into uh, fluids. And they'll inject the thing into your system or cause you to swallow it. The moment you eat it, the moment it enters your body, life kicks into operation. Are you getting it? That's how doctors cure people. That's how they treat people. All right? Life just kicks in. But at the same time, you can inject someone with poison and the law of the knowledge of good and evil kicks in and then you're dead. Okay. So the serpent questions the woman and the woman answered and gave access to the serpent. So during prophecy, engaging someone in questions makes them give spiritual access to their hearts where all information is wired. Are you getting that? Delilah used the same method. Do you remember? Delilah kept asking Samson questions and Samson kept answering. He should have kept quiet. He answered until he reached a point where the contents of his heart were all expressed. And the Bible says he told Delilah all his heart. Are you getting that? So to get information, ask questions. That's why in court, you're cross-examined to get information, to extract information. Okay? Genesis 3 verse 2 to 3, the Bible says, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Verse 3, But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. The woman didn't say what was right. She says, The tree in the middle. There were two trees in the middle. The one for knowledge of good and evil and the one for life. She says we are not allowed to eat both. And she also said we are not allowed to touch them. God didn't say those words. God said don't eat the one of knowledge of good and evil. But God said you can touch them because that's how you dress. How do you dress something without touching it? How do you dress up without touching the clothes? Adam was told dress it and keep it. That means you can touch it. But he said don't eat it. He did not ban them from eating the tree of life. But the woman says, oh, we can't eat that one of life. Neither can we eat that one of knowledge of good and evil. And we are not even allowed to touch it. So her misconception and limited knowledge was exposed to the devil. As a result, the devil found her easy prey to deceive. Oh, Jesus. 
You see, the serpent didn't know what God has had said to Adam. He wasn't there and he didn't understand the codes that God was using to communicate to Adam. So the serpent wanted to extract information from the heart of the woman. But the woman was not fully knowledgeable at this time because Adam had not taught her everything. Adam had the responsibility to teach all that was made, all that was created of the ways of God. The same way I'm teaching you right now. Okay. So the woman made a big mistake because she gave the serpent information that the serpent should not have had. So for that reason, the serpent accessed that information and began to distort it. See, the devil is a liar and the father of all lies. He never really tells a lie as such. He distorts the truth. And then the truth is presented in a way contrary to the author, and that's God. That's the reason why when the devil was tempting Jesus, he also tried to use a plant. He said, turn these stones to bread. Bread is a product of a plant. Because you are hungry. Because, you know, then Jesus says, uh, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the Father. You see, Jesus used the word to cancel Satan's life. And then Satan quotes Psalm 91. That he'll give his angels charge over you to keep it on your way. So jump and the angels will catch you. Jesus said, you're not supposed to tempt the Lord your God. So if Eve were to answer based on the word of God, rather than based on her own knowledge, the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. She used her understanding and exposed her heart and the devil to charge. If she used the word of God to answer, the devil would have gone away. The same way the devil had to leave Jesus because Jesus was not giving him a chance. Jesus was expressing the heart of God each time the devil spoke. All right. Now, having heard God's commands, the serpent introduced the law. A thing that was written only for him. You see, the law was written for the devil and his children. None of God's children are subject to the law. The law is not for you. Let me read for you 1 Timothy 1 verse 9 to 10. To whom is the law written? The law is not written for you. You are a person of life. You're supposed to be eating the tree of life. Hearing the word of God, believing it, confessing it and acting on it. That's called eating the tree of life. You're not supposed to be a person given to don't do this, don't do that, don't touch this, don't touch that. That is for a certain group of people and you're not part of that group. 1 Timothy 1, 9-10 says, Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man. The law is not made for you because you're righteous. If you're saved, you're the righteousness of God. The law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for homemongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. So the law is not for you. The devil introduced the law in the garden when the law was intended for him because he was a murderer, wasn't he? The Bible says in John 8 verse 44, he tells the Pharisees, you of your father, the devil, who was a murderer from the beginning. So the law is written for murderers here. Okay? So he introduces a thing intended for him, intended for his own judgment. He introduces it in the garden by use of a plant, the code of a plant. So those qualities that are mentioned above are the qualities of the devil himself. You see, he wanted to introduce the law to arouse sinful desires. The Bible says 
that the law is what arouses sinful desires. I'm going to read that for you. Yeah. So he countered God's instructions by introducing doubt. He tells Eve, it's not true. God is lying to you. In other words, he's, he's introducing himself to the woman because he's the liar and the murderer. But he's telling Eve, God is the liar and the murderer. You see, that if you eat this thing, you want to die. If you don't eat it, you will die. You see, he's just twisting things. Genesis 3 verse 4 to 5, and the Bible says, And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. If you eat this thing, you won't die. If you don't, you will. You see, it's just messing around with God's word. For God knows that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Wow. Knowing good and evil, he mentions it. Okay. So you see, the devil now activates Eve's lust. He introduces lust in the garden. Oh my God. You see, when the law is introduced, lust operates. The law springs into action, and its action is to kill. So the serpent, who was the only creature under the law at that time, converted Eve to be under the law too. See what Paul says to the Romans about the law. In Romans 7 verse 5, the Bible says, Romans 7 verse 5, For when we were in the flesh, the sinful desires aroused by the law the law is what arouses your sinful desires. The sinful desires aroused by the law were active in our body parts to bear fruit for death. Look at that. So he wants Adam and Eve to die. His death, that's the devil's death. So he introduces the law, which arouses sinful desires. How do I know? Because Eve saw that the tree was good for food and pleasant to the eye. A distortion of God's statement about the tree is meant for food. She saw it in a lustful way, okay, that it could make her wise. Her lust became full when she saw this thing is so nice looking and it can also make me wise. She took it, ate it, and served it to the husband too. What does John say about the world? So the devil introduces the world to this woman. First John 2, 16. The Bible says, for all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, good for food, right? The last of the eyes, pleasant to the eyes. And the pride of life, good to make one wise. So three things that Eve saw. This thing is good for food. My goodness, I got to eat this thing. This thing looks nice. Oh, I need to touch it. This, see, she said, I'm not allowed to touch it. But now she wants to touch it. Looks good. Oh my goodness, this thing is going to make me the wisest person. Pride of life. And the Bible says these things are not of the Father, but of the world. So the devil introduces the law and introduces worldliness, operating by the senses. We are supposed to operate by the spirit, subduing the senses. So the serpent used plant codes to introduce worldliness into the hearts of Adam and Eve. The fruit actually opened man's eyes spiritually. Just like if you take cannabis right now, bang, your eyes will open spiritually. If you take alcohol, your eyes will open spiritually. If you get drunk, you'll start seeing things and hearing sounds that other people are not hearing. If you're high on drugs, you, your eyes open spiritually. Those are all trees of knowledge of good and evil. So man became prophetic, but in a worldly and lustful way. The serpentine way. So through a plant, death was introduced to the earth. So through a plant, life was introduced back to the earth. Because Jesus died on a cross, a tree. Glory to God. Jesus is so wonderful. So when you look at plants, 
Just find out what the Bible says about them. If you want to prophesy by use of plants, find out what the Bible says about them. Then you'll start understanding. What does the Bible say about grains? What does it say about palm trees? What does it say about a fruitful tree? A fig tree? What does it say about grapes? Then you'll understand when you're prophesying and you see grapes or you see a uh, corn or something of that sort, what does the Bible say about it? Then that is the message for the person you're prophesying to. And learn from the Holy Spirit consistently. Okay. Glory to Jesus forevermore. Now, those of you who are listening to me on podcast, I've got to sign out. Please share this podcast broadly with your friends and subscribe as well and favorite it. Okay. I'm going to say bye-bye to my podcast audience, but I'm going to remain with you, my broadcast audience. So those of you on podcast, I love you so very much. I look forward to seeing you next time.